When you give a gift, are there strings attached? What are your thoughts and expectations about giving and receiving gifts? What about regifting? We examine these questions and more on today's episode. This is Ethics and Etiquette, a thought-provoking discussion on everyday dilemmas. My name is Marna Ashburn, and I'm joined by wife, mother, and attorney Kelly Halligan Zimmerman. Hey, Marna. Hi, Mike. Hey, Kelly. And Mike Derrick, a retired Army officer and combat vet. Hi, Mike. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Our goal here is to offer you insights and perspectives on sticky situations so you can better scrutinize your choices and exercise your own ethical muscles. The subject of today's show is gift giving. Let's talk about the first scenario. Someone makes a homemade heirloom quality quilt and gives it to a friend. She later sees her friend is using it as the dog bed in the family minivan. Should she say something or let it go? Mike, I'm going to ask you to go first on this one. Well, thanks, Marna. And, you know, you really strike a nerve with this one because my wife just happens to be a quilter. And so I get to see firsthand (laughs) how much goes into these wonderful quilts. And I've actually been the recipient of a quilt. Um, And so I I shared this with her, and boy, did I get a reaction. Um, And so I guess my comments are largely those of my wife's, but she first kind of wanted to know the nature of the friendship. You know, uh, the scenario says, you know, her friend, how close a friend. Um, And in, in both cases, my wife said, you know, if it's someone you don't really know, well, so a, a sort of an acquaintance as opposed to a close friend, you really ought to take the time to kind of tell them that, hey, this is, this is something that's important. And if, if you don't want to use it the way it was intended, you know, I'll, I'll buy you the best dog bed I can find and you can put that in your minivan. Um, if it's a really <laughs> close friend, then, you know, it's, it's, it's an affront. It's, uh, it's just, it's it's so far out of bounds that um it's it really is i think if you if you do this to a quilter and i think i speak for quilters in the sense that i know a lot of them you're going to get some feedback uh is is how i view this one so anyhow i'll leave it at that and uh, let you guys chip in maybe your quilters too um no <laughs> I can hardly sew a button on. Uh, So this one is interesting because the, uh, I guess the, the, I'm trying to think about the best way to put it, but the current modern day me says that, you know, a gift is defined as something voluntarily given or transferred by one person to another without compensation and without any expectation of anything in return. Um, So under that scenario, once you give the quilt and you give it to the friend, it's hers to do as she pleases. Um, So if she wants to use it on her bed or if she wants to use it as a, as a dog bed, that's fine. It's hers, Um, you know, period. And I think that's the way um, I think modern day folks view it. I think a more traditional view is, what you're taking, Mike, and, and your wife's position. And, 
and in some cases it's even cultural. Like I, I was reviewing gift giving in different cultures, and for example, for Native Americans, gift giving is central to their culture. Um, you know, and a gift is presented with honor, with the idea that the gift will be used and cherished, which is really what you're describing, Mike. Um, how your wife views this quilt that she's worked so hard to create. Um, and Indians view it that if a gift isn't used, um, it's disrespectful and that they can then go back and say, you know, give me the gift back um, and let me give it to someone who will use it and appreciate it. So I do think it's somewhat cultural. Uh, I think in, in modern day society, you know, it's really a gift. And once you give it to the person, they can do what they like with it. And is that what you believe? Kelly, they can do with what they like with it? It is. I, I do feel that way. I, I, I think that it's a shame <laughs> that this person did this with the quilt, and I would never do it, uh, but I wouldn't say anything. Uh, it would tell me what kind of friend she was, though. Right. And, Mike, you say that your wife would say something to the recipient? Yeah, I think she would. I think, you know, my wife, it would... It would damage the friendship if my wife did not say something, um, or it would. And what would be the, the nature of her comment? Do you think? Um, well, I think it would be educational, like, "Hey, wait a second, you know, um, I gave you this," and I, I would tell you that my wife or any other quilter would not give a quilt lightly. Um, it's such an investment of time and and energy and even emotion. Um, that you don't give quilts lightly. So if you give a quilt, the expectation is that it's going to be treated with the love and reverence that went into making it. Um, and so it's really a, a mismatch, it seems to me, between giver and recipient. The giver misjudged um, the, uh, the way in which the recipient would uh, receive the gift. So, and, and I also... To Kelly's, you know, in listening to Kelly's comments, I think, I think this also underlines something that is more and more prevalent in our country, which is the urban-rural divide. Um, you know, I live in a small town in northern New York State, and we just had a quilt show at our public library, and people from all over town brought some of their best work in, and it was publicly displayed in the foyer of the uh, of the public library, and. And many, many people went to see it. So there's a real appreciation in rural areas for, for quilts, and and they are used to, to honor special recipients at significant events, you know, in their lives. You know, you give a quilt when a baby's born. You give a quilt when someone graduates from college. That kind of thing. So that really makes sense. I mean, it really shows how much you care and the intimacy and the importance of the relationship. Um, so it would really be a blow, I think, to a friendship if a friend takes this, you know, special gift and uses it in the manner described in the scenario. Right. I don't right. know that any discussion would help get get someone over that. Um, but, but gifts in different societies are, are treated differently. Again, when I was looking at this, like in Saudi Arabia, gifts are only given to the most intimate of friends and should be of the highest quality. Um, so this type of a gift, like an heirloom quality quilt, just shows how important this friendship was to the giver. And right, it, it seems right. like the receiver wasn't on the same page. 
right or didn't oh. understand that about quilts that that they represent an emotional bond and an emotional security yeah, yeah but if your friends you know she should have gotten it i mean i don't know anything about quilts and and i would know that because you can just see the incredible effort that goes into creating something like that oh yeah yeah i'm not a quilter but uh i am a sewer and i've never attempted a quilt because it takes too long and too much patience (laughs) yeah i'm a button sewer it's it's challenging for me and i i just do the best i can and it's usually a pretty terrible job (laughs) staples and glue I'd say to both of you, though, if you know you want to add quilting to your life, I know some people who are really into it, and uh, you know they'd be more than happy. It's kind of a kind of a cult, this quilting thing. They'd so. throw their hands up after it a half is. hour with me and say it's hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> she cannot. She cannot do this. She cannot be helped. <laughs> oh, but wow. to talk about the importance of a relationship, I'll tell a funny kind of uh, sort of a regifting story. Early in our marriage, my mother-in-law. Um, gave me a gift for Christmas and you know they were visiting and I opened the gift and it was this huge sweatshirt and it had a giant horse head on the front and a giant horse butt tail (laughs) on the back was it a joke was it a gag gift oh no I held it up and I was just stunned I was speechless I, I didn't know what to say so I said, oh, wow, thank you so much. Um, and she, you know, said, well, I know how much you love horses and how important horses are to you. And I said, well, you know, thank you, Ruth. That's so thoughtful. And my husband and I are looking at each other. I've never ridden a horse. I've never had any <laughs> Where did she get horses. that? I have no idea. Wow. So where is but, the sweatshirt now? Uh, it went to Goodwill the next day. <laughs> oh, and I am convinced that nobody showed any interest in it <laughs> oh that's funny not even the homeless would would have mm. wanted that sweatshirt but um some people yeah. are better gift givers than others definitely so do you want to know uh, the outcome of this little scenario yes please sure. in- interestingly when i when i have talked to people about this through the years the answers go from uh well do you say anything well i might ask a leading kind of passive-aggressive question like, say, how do you like the quilt? Where'd you put it in the house? Or some people say, well, I would never, ever, ever give her a gift again if she's doing that with my quilt. People also wonder whether the recipient knew it was handmade. Seems like you would know that, but the person who made the quilt was a psychologist, and she was very philosophical about it. She said, yeah, I mean, I saw it. It was the dog bed. I kind of shook me up, but it was a gift. I gave it to her. It was hers to do what she wanted with, so I didn't say anything. But she is in therapy now. <laughs> no, she's the, the working giver. on that. Working on that issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. I think she Did just let that go. <laughs> she she didn't tell me that. No, yeah. she didn't. I doubt if she ever made her another gift again, though. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Let's leave it at that. And we'll be right back with our second ethical dilemma. We have a second dilemma for you here. And this one involves giving large, expensive gifts. 
What if uh, someone gives, a, say, a, a newly married couple a living room, a set of living room furniture or a bedroom suite, which was picked out by the giver without any knowledge or help from the recipient? Or here's another good example on um, Real Housewives of Orange County, which I like to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> quality programming, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, Marna, no, com- no comments. That, that'll, help you. <laughs> that'll help you be ethical. I don't need this. <laughs> uh, Vicki is one of the housewives, and she puts a down payment on a Mercedes for her college daughter and takes the car to her daughter's apartment. And she says, I got this car for you. I paid the down payment, and you're going to make the payments. And in both cases, the furniture and the car, the recipients weren't consulted beforehand, but uh, they, you know, they got what they got. What do you think about that, Kelly? Well, I actually had this happen to me um, when I graduated from William and Mary. Um, my folks had a this lovely graduation party for me, and uh, they took me around the side of the house, and there was like a brand new Nissan Sentra. Um, waiting for me, and I was so excited. I had no- nothing to do with picking the car out. I loved it. Um, and then about a week later, my dad said, uh, "Here's the payment booklet." <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> so yeah, and so which was, you know, my dad typical. You know, he put the down payment, you know, down, and which was very thoughtful of him. And the, it's the thought that counts. I love the car, and uh, so I took the payment booklet and and paid on it every month. It was a very reasonable payment. It was a generous gift, and I really appreciated it. So, you know, that's that's the, you know, the view I took at that time. I think nowadays, though, um, it might be viewed very differently as a married couple getting a set of, you know, living room furniture, which is such a personal choice, and you have so many things going on as far as style, colors, um, you know, room size. There's so many things involved. So uh, I, I think I might say something and if I didn't care for it and, you know, see if there were other options available while also expressing my deep appreciation for their thoughtfulness. I think that's how I'd handle it. I'm curious what script you would use to ask them about maybe exchanging it for a different set. Uh, that would be really tough. That is I, tough. I mean, I would have to really think that through very carefully and um, and then, you know, approach it. And I might even back away from it if I wasn't getting the reception that I anticipated. Um, you know, that's it's really a tough situation because somebody really is probably well-intentioned Mike, what do you think? Um, you know, I think this is one of those situations where uh, this is more about the giver trying to, you know, these are kind of self-aggrandizing gifts. Um, it's like you're showing off. You know, you're going you're gonna to give somebody living room furniture or a car, which is your choice, and then have the audacity to say, all right, you know, I paid a portion of it, and uh, here you go. You can pick up the payments. Um, I think our world would be a much better place if we if we could somehow get people to be much more thoughtful in terms of how they give gifts and 
make sure the gifts they give are ones which you know really improve the quality of life of the recipient and especially within a family um, this is uh, this is difficult because those kinds of gifts typically would be within a family and um, I I would never dare to do that with any of my kids because you know I have I just they they are each of them is very different and most of them are very different from me and I, I wouldn't have the the audacity to number one choose something like that for them and then go so far as to say okay here you go you can you can finish up paying for it so um i think both of them are fouls in my opinion i don't know mike i i think people are well-intentioned i i don't think it's a case of you know audacity i, I just think people sometimes don't know any better um and I think it's the thought that counts. So I just think it's difficult as far as how to handle it with that yeah. individual and how mm-hmm. to approach them and 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 try to, you know, chat with them about exchanging or, you know, returning whatever, you know, the receiver would like. Yeah. Do you think you could have done that with your dad? Would I have done it with my dad? No, <laughs> I wouldn't, to be honest. Yeah. But I mean, it was 30 years ago and right. I did right. need a car and um, I thought it was very generous of my dad. But I, I'm, I'll admit I'm very traditional, so I wouldn't go to my dad and, and do anything like that. And, you know, I was thrilled to receive the car. I, I loved the car and um, the payments were very reasonable. It wasn't a Mercedes Benz <laughs> yeah. and it was something I could manage. Yeah, so. yeah. I don't know what the mer- the payments on this Mercedes were, but I think that's pretty rude to obligate your college daughter who's not working and has no income to uh, a Mercedes Benz payment. And and as for the furniture, I, you know, I think a much better approach is to tell the couple we'd like to help you furnish your new place, and here's a gift certificate, or let's go shopping together, and. I'll give you the price range I'm looking at, and we'll see what we can we can get for you for that. That seems like a much better way to approach it. Um, once you once you have it, though, gosh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's a great approach, and that's the most thoughtful approach. I just think sometimes people, you know, don't recognize that. You know, just like they think a sweatshirt with a big horse head. And horse butt. <laughs> it's a lovely gift. Yeah. I wish I could see that. That sounds oh, I should have fabulous. I should have taken a picture of it. I, you know, I, I really almost like I could barely contain myself from just busting out laughing. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. Um, yeah, and as for cars at graduation, I too got a car for graduation. It was a used Starfire. It was seven hundred and fifty dollars. And no air conditioning, and I was headed to Alabama. So, um, but I was grateful. <laughs> yeah. How long you did you keep the car, Marna? Got to be grateful. Well, that's, c- that's kind of an interesting story because I was down in Alabama. It was about 110 degrees in the summer, and I decided I really needed a car with air conditioning. So I went down to the local town and I got an Isuzu Impulse. They don't even make them anymore. And um, and it had air conditioning. And 
took me a while to confess that to my dad. <laughs> but I did, and he wrote me back and said, we would like the Starfire back. So oh, wow. okay. can you bring it up at Thanksgiving? So, you know, technically, it wasn't his. And it wasn't, I wasn't obligated to give it back to him because it was a gift to me. Yeah. But I did take it back up to him. I think he was kind of attached to it. You didn't, like, respond and say, no, I traded it in. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> I, don't think it, I don't think anybody wanted it. <laughs> yeah. No, but Kelly, I'm but intrigued But he gave me a television your... instead. Oh, okay. I, I'm intrigued by your comment earlier about the nature of gift giving having changed over the years. And um, I think both of you will be able to, able to identify with this. You know, so often when we get an invitation for a wedding nowadays... Um, the couple asks for cash and, you know, so they've, they've sort of short circuited this whole gift giving thing by, and, you know, they don't risk at all in that case, you know, getting something they don't want or then having the, you know, the urge to re-gift something later. Um, and they just ask for cash and, you know, I, I, I think gift giving is an important, um, and, you know, when you really care about somebody, it, if you if you spend the time to give a a good and appropriate gift it's it's really great and so i guess i'm a little dismayed sometimes by this whole this rush towards cash giving as opposed to um as opposed to items themselves the other one is gift cards everybody now you know gets gift cards at christmas as opposed to gifts so anyhow just thought i'd throw that out there no i i agree with you i you know we still have wedding gifts and we've been married over 25 years um on our dresser and mantelpiece and you look yeah. at them and they remind you of that person or that couple some of whom aren't with us anymore and it just it's really meaningful um and I know what you mean. You get invitations to these weddings and the invitations are beautiful and they have these websites which are amazing with all the information and but then when you look at the registry which is one of the clicks um it's usually it's usually cash that that they're interested in. So, and I think that you have to abide by that and, you know, give a gift that they're interested in. But I agree with you. I think years from now, you know, they won't have anything other than maybe pictures to remember the day and remember the participants, the people that were there that were so important to them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's back to that uh, emotional quality of the gift, like Mm -hmm. with the quilt we talked about earlier. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Rather than, hey, contribute to our honeymoon fund. Yeah, and that's exactly what what folks are asking for, which I understand. All right. Is there anything more on this topic of big gifts? We'll move on to the next scenario. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. This is our third scenario, and this is a tricky one, I think. A grown son makes a flag case for his dying father, who is a veteran. After the father dies, the flag is placed in the case, and the father's six children rotate custody of the flag. They each get two months. A few years after that, the son, who is also a veteran, dies at an early age of cancer, and his wife wants the flag case back 
because she wants to put her deceased husband's flag in there instead of the father's flag. She offers to buy a new case for the father's flag. The surviving five siblings don't want to return the flag case, but they fear there will be lasting issues with the wife if they don't. So, Mike, do you want to take this one on first, being a veteran? Yeah, thanks, Marna. Um, this is a great one. I tell you, I, I just this is a this is a very very thought provoking um, scenario, and I've checked with a couple vets on it, and kind of reached a consensus here. And um, one which I think is is the right answer. And you know, I'll be very interested to hear your opinions. But I would just say, as as background, when people die. Uh, the grieving often do very unexpected things and they often their character in some situations will actually change they will they will do things you would never expect of them and and I it's always been kind of one of my principles to defer to the grieving the grieving is always the grieving person is always right and it's usually a temporary condition. You hope it's a temporary condition. You hope they move through the stages of grief and return to a full and fulfilling life. But, you know, anyhow, I, I, I make a point of deferring to those who grieve. And in this case, um, as I understand it, you know, the, the grown son who made the case, which, you know, again, involves a, a significant effort and a significant investment of his, uh, his talents and his his skill um, you know if, if he were to die unexpectedly and his widow wanted that case that particular case back uh, to honor her husband I think the answer is you you immediately give it back to her and you make you you make it an event you say listen this was this was given out of love and we would like to give it back to you out of love and it's not complicated to get another case and and redo it for the father who passed away previously. And, you know, it still can be important and it still can be honored by his other children. Um, so I think that's the right answer. And I think that's what, that's what, um, that's what makes sense. And in fact, in, when it comes to protocol, it's the flag that is presented to the grieving survivor. And so the flag that was in the original flag case for the father who passed away, that needs to stay with with the, the children of that dad. And um, that's very important. The flag can't go to the son. He should get his own. So anyhow, those are my thoughts there. Well, that's beautifully put. And you think they should release the flag case back to the wife. I do, yeah. I think it's important. Okay. And I think that's how you that's how you you heal that family, that's how you build that family. You want to think about the next generation. You want you want cousins to be in touch with one another and to have lives that include each other. And if you if you do something like this, you're you're liable to to lose some cousins in the process. Right. I like that uh, philosophy of honoring the grieving and also making a ritual of giving it back to the wife. Uh, in my experience with um, death soldiers and veterans, and you probably know a lot about this too, Mike, uh, the death of somebody can crater out a family, an extended family. I mean, people will go for years 
without talking to each other over something related, you know, to the death. And it's so, so sad to have children never see their grandparents or whatever. I remember there was one situation where the um, parents of the deceased wanted him to be buried some someplace, and the wife, the widow, wanted somewhere else. And so it was her choice, and her choice prevailed. And after that, the parents and the widow never spoke. Isn't that sad? Yeah, that's... Um... It's tragic, and you know we've we've lived that within our own family, and um, not that particular case, but some, you know, a rupture based on unexpected death, and uh, so I I get it, and I tell you, this is perhaps another scenario we should uh, this kind of thing we may want to come back to again, but you know I find that death and often inheritance are the ones which can just as to use your term crater families so kelly what do you think i respect what mike said i don't agree i think that there's a difference between a gift and a loan this was a gift um the son made the flag case for his father and gave it to his father it it belonged to his dad i'm sure his dad you know treasured it um the flag has been sealed in a case and now belongs to the father's six children. It, it sounds almost like the son's wife is, you know, imposed, trying to impose her will on the family and, you know, blackmailing them almost. Uh, you know, Mike talked about, you know, this is what needs to be done so that everybody can stay close and cousins can see each other. Um, you know, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think that it was a gift and it belongs, you know, to the dad. Um, and I think it would be hard for to get six children to agree or five children to agree to return um, a gift to their dad to a sister-in-law who's demanding it. I think that's the other problem issue is to get the five of them to agree to do that would be challenging. I think Mike's totally taking the high road, uh, which I appreciate, but, you know, the, the case really doesn't belong to her. Well, there is that. In fact, um, when this friend talked to me about this situation, the very first thing I said to my friend, who is one of the siblings, I said, can you let this case go? Because if you can let this go, and you can all let this go, it's going to be a real easy solution. And she said they couldn't. Wow. So okay. do you want to know what happened? <laughs> um, I just, I yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it, it's understandable that, that she feels that way. Sure, but, sure. But sorry, go ahead. I think Mike was going to say something. Yeah, I just I want to I throw out another thought here, and that is that that grown son that made the flag case for his dying father, um, his death was unexpected. I'm, I'm assuming that's the case from this scenario. It um, was. So five siblings have lost their brother. They are grieving, but most per, most especially a a a wife and children have lost their father. And I it has been my experience, having been to many many uh, military funerals and other funerals, that the grieving can be totally unreasonable, and they can be. I mean, it's it's a it's a temporary insanity that will descend on some people. 
And so the surviving family has the choice. Do you accommodate that? Do you work with it? Do you acknowledge it? Or do you hold, do you hold a line? And, you know, maybe, maybe in a, in an objective situation, in a, in a normal situation, you wouldn't give it back. But I think in this case, the argument can be made. And if the five surviving siblings really cared for their brother and want to honor him, and let's hope they all cared for his wife also, I, I think, again, that would be the ideal. Um, but I, I do hear what Kelly's saying. I think they're both valid points. That's why I asked her if she could let it go. She could let it go, give it back with love, as you mentioned. Um, that would solve it. What happened eventually was they, they said to the deceased, uh, the deceased widow, we, we want to keep our father's flag in this case, and we have another case from all of us for you to put your husband's flag in. And that was fine. It worked out, and there were no hard feelings. The cousins all managed to keep a relationship, great. so that's how they worked it out. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great, great resolution. I'm happy for them. I didn't expect it. From what I knew about the widow, she kind of was undergoing some temporary insanity, as Mike mentioned, which is understandable. It, it totally is. Apparently, she worked it out. Yeah, I mean, especially that they came up with such an interesting, you know, solution and very kind and thoughtful. No, that's great. And, you know, I, I think in this in this situation and often when dealing with the, the, the grieving, a grieving person, if you can delay or deflect or defer uh, a tough decision, um, that's usually the best answer because when in the heat of the moment, when the, everything is happening, that surviving uh, family member is really not in a position to, to make good, sound, long, long-standing decisions. So at least that's my That's experience. a great point. Yeah, that's super yeah. good advice. And that's what, you know, from a legal perspective, that's what attorneys tell their clients is generally not to make any major decisions until at least a year has passed that's from right. their loved yeah. one's, yeah. you know, death. Yeah, I think that's good advice. Hey, I've got a question for you. When is it appropriate to ask for a gift back? And is the, uh, is the recipient obligated to give it back? I think never. I don't, I don't think it's ever appropriate to ask for a gift back. I mean, you've given the gift, you've given it with love, you've turned it over to them. You know, you're, the idea of a gift and the definition of a gift is transferring something to somebody else without any expectation of anything in return. That's, what, that's kind of what I think. I think um, gift giving is, a, for me, a heightened exercise in non-attachment. Once I give it, I have to let it go. Yeah, And I can't have my heart set on the recipient loving it as much as I do. And I can't insist that it be displayed or worn in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Once I give it, it's no longer mine. So I have to let it go. And that hasn't always been easy. Believe me, that's been a learning curve. But what do you think, Mike? Um, I, I tend to agree with both of you. I would say, however, there are certain circumstances where, you know, depending on the nature of the relationship, for example, with some of my sons, um, I have given my sons, this, this sounds, this probably, you guys are going to laugh. This is pretty dorky and stupid, but you know, I, I've had several sons who have been exactly the same size as me at different points in their lives. 
And so I bought them stuff. And, um, and then for whatever reason, you know, one of them put on 50 pounds of muscle and the stuff that I gave him that he liked, that I liked when I give it to him, clearly doesn't fit anymore. And so he and I were talking the other day and I said, hey man, you know, what'd you do with that? And he goes, oh dad, you know, I love that thing. That was great, but you know, I just can't wear it anymore. And hey, you want it back? And I said, yeah, I want it back. That'd be fantastic. So, <laughs> I mean, it depends on the nature of the relationship. If you have that kind of open relationship. But he somebody, offered. Yeah. Let's, you know, he, Kelly, yeah, okay. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly would probably concur. <laughs> you didn't ask for it. He offered. Okay. Yeah, he offered. Well, maybe so I asked good for him. First, all right. Maybe, maybe I asked first. I don't know. But, you know. Maybe you troop led him to it. <laughs> I just, I mean, there are cultures, you know, like I talked about Native Americans, where it is appropriate. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in our culture, I don't think it is. I mean, obviously, you know, the scenario you just described, your son was kind enough to offer, you know, that's different. Yeah. What about regifting? Some families have a regifting policy for Christmas gifts and things. What do you think about that? Well, I'll jump in there because we do it all the time. Um, you know, I think it, it again, depends on the situation. It depends on how well you know that person. It depends on how well you see them, how often they're in your home. But, you know, we're at a certain point in our lives, and people feel like they want to give us gifts, which, frankly, don't do us much good and don't have a real place. In some cases, are absolutely redundant. And so, you know, if it's not something that's going to be really it's going to be obvious to the giver. I don't feel bad at all about, um, about giving it away. I don't know that I necessarily would always re-gift it. I might just donate it to something or somebody, but, um, you know, move it along, let it have a useful purpose instead of taking up space on my shelf and never being used. Yeah, I totally agree with Mike. I mean, there's no reason to keep something sitting in your house in a box on a shelf or, you know, not being put to good use, either donate it or re-gift it. But I think if you re-gift it, it should be brand new, not used, in the box. You know, apparently there are people that re-gift things that are lightly used. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's okay. (laughs) I'll just say that. (laughs) Right. There are some ground rules here. That's not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I have to share with you guys a little funny thing that happens in our family. We get together with, you know, extended family and cousins and aunts and uncles and all that, usually at Christmas every year. And we have what we refer to as a Chinese auction. Are you guys familiar with what that is? I I think it is uh, what we call a green Santa, white elephant, whatever. Yeah, white elephant's another term, yeah. So we have gifts in our family which are fairly valuable but really weird. And they literally, you can count on them being re-gifted every Christmas. Um, They will just get once more back into the circulation. And, you know, again, in these situations, you have all these anonymous gifts beautifully wrapped under the tree or whatever. Everybody takes a number, and then number one goes up and picks a gift. And they can either... Well, number one has to keep that gift, at least for the for the moment. Number two can go pick a different gift under the tree or can take the gift from number one. So it's a very dynamic um, 
exercise and it's a lot of fun and everybody laughs, but there are gifts which literally are permanently consigned to being recirculated within that within that process. So anyhow, maybe that makes us So it's uh, like the joke different. gift. <laughs> it is, but I tell you some of them are No, those are, can be really fun. Nice. Some of them are pretty nice. One man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. All right, I've got a another scenario for you about gifting. And uh, we're all parents here, and there's an interesting parenting angle here. One of uh, my friend's daughters got an American Girl doll from her grandparents. And I just checked last night. These American Girl dolls go for $115. So they're kind of expensive. Not long after she got it, the young girl, who was about eight, I guess, she took a permanent marker and drew war paint designs on the face of the doll. So let me ask you, where do you fall on this? It was a gift. It's hers to do with what she wants. What do you think? Did she use permanent, uh, you know, like... Yeah, it was a permanent Sharpie marker. Black. Oh, jeez. Wow. (laughs) On the face of the doll. All over. Was there a reason she, you know, she did that? Or (laughs) did she, you know provide a reason or what her thoughts were? I think she wanted the doll to look like a Samoan warrior. I think that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it is her doll. It is. I mean, yeah, I, I think I think it's all about intent. Like if her intent was, I hate this doll and I'm just going to deface it, then I think as a parent, you would want to step in and, you know, deal with that. But if it's a simple matter of her wanting it to be a Samoan doll, I think that's fine. Yeah, I don't know what the exact reasons were, but when I saw it, I asked her what her parents did when she showed it to them, and she said they freaked. <laughs> <laughs> Do you agree with Kelly, Mike? Well, having been through the American doll phase uh, with our daughter and being um, several hundred dollars less wealthy because of it. Um, right. <laughs> I get it. We have one too. Yeah, but I I think it um, it comes back to the fact that it was a gift in this case. And, you know, a little girl can do what she wants with a doll. And we know that kids play, and that's imaginative play, right? Um, she's not conforming to the, the normal things you do with an American girl doll, but that's creative imaginative play um if it's not done with malice so i think it's okay kids do funny things put it in that category the the key is to not show it to the grandparents <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> keep it from them i'm guessing they won't agree well you know they do have a doll hospital you can send the doll to get a new head my daughter had a samantha doll and it, it's her favorite toy from childhood we still have it was Samantha had long, dark hair that went down to the middle of her back, and my daughter decided it would be fun to give her a chic bob haircut, so she cut it all off to chin length. And I kind of freaked when I saw it, but she said, you have to admit it looks good. <laughs> I, said, I said, yeah, it does look good. That's cute. Well, let's chalk it up to imaginative play, you know? That's what we want yeah. from our kids, right? Right, I... I'll gladly chalk it up to that. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Endnotes. 
for this show where we give you a little something to think about for the coming week. Welcome back to Ethics and Etiquette. We're at the end notes portion of our show where we like to give you something to think about for the coming week. Mike, you said you had something you wanted to share. Yeah, I'd make a broad appeal to gift givers. And um, if you're going to give a gift, then think it through, make it meaningful, make it uh, something that at least from your from your perspective, the, the, the receiver will appreciate. Um, otherwise, find something that just sort of expresses your sentiment and skip the gift, you know, give them something they can eat or write a nice card or do something like that. But there's just, I think we often get carried away by this idea that we have to give gifts in certain situations. And, and that often leads to, um, either gifts that aren't appreciated or gifts that are actually never used. So, yeah, that kind of leads right into what I want to leave our listeners with, which is I came across the gift quiz, and this is in a book called The Complete Idiot's Guide to Etiquette by Mary Mitchell, who is a nationally syndicated columnist for the column Ms. Demeanor. And here are eight questions to ask yourself when giving a gift. Why am I giving it? And she says this is the most important consideration to consider the context and the reason for the gift. Number two, is it sincere? Number three, am I giving it without strings attached? Number four, does it reflect the receiver's taste, not mine? Is it too extravagant? Is it kind? Beware of gag gifts. They may get a laugh at the moment of giving, but can leave hurt feelings. And the last one is, is it appropriate? For example, no candy for a dieter or a bottle of wine for teetotalers wouldn't be appropriate. So uh, I think that's a great little list to look over whenever you have an occasion to give a gift. No, that's a great list, Marna. So I'm going to let you wrap it up with that. Yeah, we'll post that on the website. Yeah, I I could use that, Marna. (laughs) (laughs) And also a video on how to sew on a button. Yeah, that that too. (laughs) I'll give you a offer. I'll give you a little lesson next time I see you. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Ethics and Etiquette. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you want to support what we're doing, please share, subscribe, and leave a review on Apple Podcast. And you can always visit our website, ethicsandetiquette.com, for show notes and resources. We also have a voicemail number where you can call and ask questions or leave a scenario of your own. That number is 757-301-1327. Please do call and leave a message, or you can also submit something on the website. For Kelly and Mike, this is Marna Ashburn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.